Hello, friends. Thanks for tuning in. So, what do you do when love feels opposite? Now, first of all, I need to explain what that means. Um, I'm going to start by telling you a tangible metaphor and then explaining it relationally. So hang with me. There's a YouTube channel called Smarter Every Day. And one of the things that he did, one of the videos that he made, was a friend gave him a backwards bicycle. Now, the way that this bicycle is designed is that when you turn the handles right, the wheel goes left. And when you turn the handles left, the wheel goes right. So the result of what you do, the, the effect is opposite. And him, and he even challenged another YouTube, YouTuber to do it, him, um, Dustin, and, Dustin and Mike both figured out how to ride a backwards bicycle. And yeah, they have some pretty hilarious video footage on how awkward and frustrating it is. And, you know, some near face plants and, um... And I love I love when Mike made the comment like, man, this is so embarrassing. People think I'm a grown grown man who doesn't know how to ride a bike, but they can't see the gear, they can't see that the bike is backwards. So um this setup happens to us sometimes relationally. Very often God will put people in our lives to challenge our understanding of love and challenge us to love people in ways that are uncomfortable for us. And so, for example, I've got two family members in my life where their love language to receive is quality time. I'm an introvert and I bond through... Um, you know, conversation and dialogue. And I, I like it when people say nice things about what I do. And um, quality time is one of the ones that's actually more hard for me to give. And depending on the circumstances, is it can actually be pretty exhausting. Um, now... One of the natural love languages that I have is I love to hug people. I love to hug people. I love to receive hugs from people. And, um, bit of a tangent. There, there's, there's a challenging things that happen where people like to, I, I've hugged, I have hugged someone on occasion where they offered me a hug, but then when I relaxed my arms in their hug they verbally complained about it and they said you're supposed to hug me so they verbally made a indicated that they were going to hug me and, and encourage and support me because I was going through a rough moment at that particular time but then they 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 didn't really mean it and their body language said I hug you so that you would hug me that was what they actually meant. So, uh, just because the love language is the same doesn't mean that this isn't also hard. Um, 
because <sighs> I'm the kind of person where I have almost a compulsive need to give um, emotional support and love. And as an example of this, I have given lots and lots of neck and shoulder rubs. And I remember doing that at summer camp when I was 14 years old. Camp when I was, you know, 17 years old. So many, many years, even, you know, a decade plus that I've been doing this and and showing people love and affection this way. And I think in one sense, it was because I I did need the physical touch and even just the contact um, with people, you know, helped that need for me to feel physically loved. Um, there was a study showing that I don't remember where it was, that if a husband and wife, um, if one person gives the other person a massage, both of them reap the benefits of that deeper connection. Even if it's only always one person giving the other person a massage. Now, the challenge was that in all the years that I have given other people massages, really the only two people who reciprocated that have been my mother and my husband. And when I realized that, I kind of had a little meltdown because it made me realize that I, this entire time, was trying to give love in the way that I wanted to receive it. But very few people picked up on that and reciprocated. Now, there are people on occasion who wanted to reciprocate, but they physically did not have the strength to do that at that time, which is totally understandable. But I'm also talking about the majority, and that's just where they were in life, where I was in life. And um, so making peace with how God made me in almost being a compulsive giver, um, that's been, that's been a challenge. That has definitely been a challenge, but thankfully I keep talking to God and, uh, he keeps making progress on that. So I'm, I'm grateful and I'm grateful that he, he keeps pouring his love out in my heart and showing me more of himself and encouraging me and strengthening me. So, um, yeah, but similarly, I, 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 I've given neck and shoulder massages and I've given words of encouragement and affirmation in similar proportion to how I've always wanted to receive it. And so um, that's been really hard for me to live in a world where people just receive and they don't. I expect other people to be wired my like me, where when I receive, my first in- instinct is to reciprocate. But if I do that, then I I almost I'm not able to receive. So it's it's very weird, and it's a little bit th- excuse that tangent, but um, it's been an interesting experience. So that's what I'm learning, and that's what I'm talking about because this podcast is called Meg Living Inside Out. So. And I am thankful that he who began a good work in me and in you and in all of us who are called by his name according to his purpose, he will complete the good work until the day of Christ Jesus. Boom.
looking forward to that. So, and I'm thankful for the, the slow and steady progress that we have right here, right now, each and every day. So to get back to the original topic of backwards love, um, there are times when, you know, scripture tells us to be a cheerful giver. And there are times when if your attitude isn't right, then you should like stay home and not do the thing that don't, if your attitude isn't right, don't do the thing because the quality of that depends on you having a good attitude. So, um, that is really important. However, we also have to separate that from other times where we need to do the right thing, even if we do it with gritted teeth and we just put one foot in front of the other. We just take it one moment at a time and it's difficult, but we live and we survive and we're obedient and God rewards us for that. So, um, it's important to know the difference between those two things. Like if you're going to have a bad, if you're going to do it with a bad attitude, just don't do it. Or I need to do it anyways with a bad attitude. So, um, obeying the Holy Spirit in the moment is very, very important. And that's why, you know, sometimes we want the Bible to be more specific about we, what we should and should not do. The Bible is intentionally principle oriented because very oftentimes the most loving thing for one person to do is not what another person should do if even if the situation seems the same. So we have to obey the Holy Spirit. We have to obey whatever he seems to be prompting us to do. And um, and I think of the verse in Romans, and I forget the chapter, but it's towards the end of the book, and it says, Oh, no one anything except to love. So even if that means we have to confront someone, our hope is to be doing it with that with the good of the other person's long-term best interest in mind and very much like a parent who is giving their child healthy discipline um when that parent when that happens in a healthy way the parent feels discomfort with the child. The parent is not taking their anger out on the child. And for those of us who've grown up in dysfunctional homes, we are very, very familiar with um, having anger taken out on us, um, passive aggression of, you know, silent treatment, or I'm going to punish you by doing this, and it's all kind of very backwards, and... Um, healthy discipline is it hurts in the moment and the consequences are real and then it's like okay time to get up and and I'm going to remind you that I still love you and I care about you and we're going to continue forward and we're going to do this that's what healthy discipline looks like between a parent and a child and that's what it should look like between God and us and um that's why scripture says there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's also in Romans. And condemnation is that constant hanging of the head to where we can't even look up 
but Christ says no, and even, I'm completely blanking on where this is, I need my concordance, let me see if I can look this up, but God is the lifter of our head. He is the one who shows us grace in the midst of our mistakes and reminds us of our, our worth in him, even though we completely messed up. So that is very, very important to remember that Christ is the lifter of our head. And if I can find something in my concordance to point me towards where this is, I will, um, huh, uh, okay, lifted is not getting me anywhere, but let me try looking up head. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of the concordance because, uh, if you remember a word, now granted it might not be in the right translation, but if you can remember a word, then, uh, Oftentimes you can find the verse, and what's really nice is there's this thing called the internet where we can type in all the things that we remember, and, uh, yeah, it's good. Oftentimes Google will know what we're talking about. I'm not seeing it in my concordance. Again, this is an abbreviated concordance for my study Bible, so it's not a full proper concordance, so we're just going to move on. So, um... Opposite love. Last summer, one of the things that I prayed was, God, please deepen my ability to love. Now, before that, about a year and a half before that, I had prayed, Lord, please give me a season where it is easy to love. Because I was physically exhausted, and I knew that I needed that. And God was very gracious to answer both prayers. So, um, initially when I moved to Alabama, God gave me a season where it was easy to love people. And I'm so grateful for that. And then after I prayed, God, please deepen my ability to love. He showed me. He showed me one of these relationships where... The love that they receive is opposite from my nature to give. And so, um, even within, let's say, um, a single category of love, like words of affirmation, um, very oftentimes, you know, that's, that's a big category of you know, words of affirmation, well, that can look a lot of different ways. That's what I'm trying to say. Words of affirmation can look a lot of different ways. And so, um, for me, I mentioned before, I want people to tell me what they liked about what I did and my artwork or, um, yeah, compliment my creativity. That's, that's kind of the one of the best ways to encourage me. I, I introduced myself the other day as I'm a, I'm an artist and a creative and a dancer and a watercolorist. And I do a lot of things and they're all horrible, but they're slowly getting better. <laughs> That's how I introduced myself. And I have made people cry with both my dance and my art 
and I made them laugh with my comedy. And so, um, my art is not horrible by any means. And I need to figure out a way to introduce myself differently. Um, and that's one of the things that the God's working on with me. So, um, to practice for this podcast, this will be the first time I'm doing this and it's on audio record. So no pressure, big whoop de doo but Hey, only people who actually care about what I have to say are listening to this podcast. So high five to you. I appreciate it. And I pray that my words are blessing you because if they're not stop listening, <laughs> um, that was the negativity again. Let me try, let me rephrase that positively. I'm so glad that God is speaking through me in a way that is blessing you. So thank you for listening and God bless you. Okay. That was better. I need to, I need to get better still, but you know, it'll come. Confidence will come. So to introduce myself differently. Hi, my name is Meg. I'm a visual artist and storyteller. And I, I tell people about Jesus through dance, film, watercolor, comedy, and short fiction and podcasts, and the list goes on, but yeah, like I said, work in progress. So with words of affirmation, that can look for different things for different people. So I really like compliments on my artwork. I know other people where they need compliments on their physical appearance. That's what what makes them feel loved. And that person is always giving compliments to other people on how they look always that's that's their default that is and the consistency of how often they give that speaks to how much they need it i know someone else who her words of affirmation is very much about you know she wants her husband to tell her um that he respects her and he respects her for you know this character quality and Um, how she's grown and matured in this way. And so just because words of affirmation can be something that's common between people doesn't mean that it also can't look very, very different. Um, So one of the things that I am going to do this Father's Day is I'm going to ask um, both of my fathers, actually, both my father and my father-in-law, I'm going to ask them about what their top love languages are and also to give an example to tell a story of when they felt loved. And I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit gave me this idea because it does a couple of very important things. First of all, just having that question asked makes someone feel loved. I need to turn around and do this with my mom. Like, the the relationships that are closest to us in life, those are the ones where we tend to get most blind, where we actually need to be most attentive. And I'm speaking for myself here. I'm not talking about you. I'm speaking for myself. It is harder for me to think of ways to love people I have known longer. Um, especially if we have this opposite 
method going on and I've not been attentive to it because yeah, for multiple reasons. Um So I'm speaking for myself. I need the not only does this question honor the person to whom it's asked, number one. Number two, it gives me examples. It gives me practical application for what flavor of love do they need. Like for me, gifts is one of the love languages that is lowest on the list. Now, it's actually not because I don't value gifts. It's actually because um, my, my love language to receive love and affection through gift giving is just very, very specific. So to really give me a gift that's meaningful to me, you have to pay attention to my life. <laughs> you have to pay attention to what I like and what I care about, and um, it's really, really hard. Sometimes I've been able to give gifts to people successfully who didn't care about gifts very much, but because of things that they'd communicated, I was able to put that together and figure out something to give them that would be meaningful to them. And honestly, the ability to, to, to see that, to, to identify that, that is the grace of God. So if you are struggling to love someone that you don't understand, and also maybe you don't feel comfortable asking them to tell you about a memory that they most felt love, maybe it's a coworker and you're trying to keep things a little bit more professional, ask God to show you what that person needs. You know, maybe they can, maybe God will orchestrate like a passing comment or a conversation and there'll be a keyword. And maybe that keyword of like, oh, they've got this hobby or this pastime or this, this, you know, system difficulty. Like I want to give my mother-in-law a window Norwex cleaning cloth because she has a glass kitchen table and it's just, also, people with marble countertops, those things are, if it's, if it's, if it's like perfectly black and she does have a marble countertop, um, she did not pick that marble countertop. It was there when they moved in. Um, but it's really tedious to clean because it streaks very easily. And so I want to get her a Norwex cleaning cloth. And the only reason I know that is because I know about Norwex, which is a blessing. Love Norwex. Not a representative. I buy mine on Amazon. Love Norwex. Um, so one, I know about Norwex, but two, I live with them for four months. I know about their family. I know about her processes and her needs. And I'm, I'm like, and I'm able to identify then, oh, this is something that would make her life easier and be a blessing to her. And also she's the kind of woman who she asked for a vacuum cleaner one time. So for, for a major holiday. So giving her a Norwex would totally be a, an act of love that would be well received by her and, the beautiful thing about giving someone something that's useful or um, I've had some friends give me plants over the year, over the past few months. One of the wonderful things about giving people plants or something that's useful is that every time they use that item, they're reminded of the person who gave it to them and that gift. 
So um, anytime I watch my plants grow, it just makes me thankful for the people who gave those to me. And um, I'm just really glad about that. Um, Now, one challenge that does happen is I have received gifts from people who... um, How shall I phrase this? I have received gifts from people who didn't do a very good job of translating their affection for me into a way that I could receive it. And so um, maybe there were boundaries that were crossed. Maybe there were feelings that were hurt and misunderstandings. And I can, I'm thinking of two people off the top of my head. So if you're thinking that this is anyone specific, like, nah, actually, this is a little more general than, than specific. Um, well, okay, three plus. Anyways, so, um, so many times, one of the ways that I have actually processed friendships that are not going so well, and if I have received a gift from someone but it reminds me of how I'm not receiving love from them and I don't feel loved by them, sometimes I'll get rid of the gift. And that helps me to just let go of it and I'm not reminded of that person anymore. Maybe we're a friends that kind of fell, fell out. And um, that happens and that, that's okay. We're all gonna, all of us, of us who are believers are gonna meet up on the other side and we're going to reconnect and catch up and you know life is busy and oftentimes if oftentimes if we're not sharing the headlines with each other on a regular basis it can be really really hard to answer the question how are you with both something that is personal and meaningful and not superficial but also doesn't lead to like a an hour long conversation that you, neither of you have energy for so it's it's really difficult and um so to get back to the whole love languages things, um, the ability to love people is a gift from God. It absolutely is. And so when I identify what someone needs to hear or what they're struggling with and God is able to give me words for that, I don't take credit for that. I don't because God is the one who made me intuitive. God is the one who caused me to see what is going on. God is the one who inspired me to send that package to that person or post that tweet or say that thing. And he's the one who also gave me the emotional energy for that. And... I can't take credit for having emotional energy. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know myself. I know my physicality. Like, without Christ, I am a dried up piece of dirt. <laughs> With Christ, I am a pitcher of water that can just pour out and be refilled and pour out and be refilled. We are truly treasure in jars of clay. So, 
one of the really big challenges is trying to figure out, you know, how do I love someone whom I'm, who I've offended? And I'm thinking right now of a situation where I had a very, very close friend and the way that I thought about them was not kind and it was judgmental and it was only in one area, but it bled over long enough and frequently enough through my passing comments, through the little things that I said, through things that I could have said but I didn't say. And when that friend finally confronted me, I was embarrassed. I... I had this experience of kind of floundering, like a drowning person when they just kind of flail their limbs and like, I don't know what to do. Um, and I was, I was, it was, it was, I was a mess. I was a mess. And I was not in a good place at that time. So that's part of it. And... I asked for forgiveness, and she did forgive me. But we never spoke after that. And I... I knew that I'd hurt her badly enough that we would never be friends again. At least not on this side of heaven. Um, and thankfully... You know, she's she's still doing well. Every once in a while, I'll see her Facebook profile picture and, oh yeah, she's still doing well. That's good. And um, in that case, there really isn't anything I can do to communicate love to her. Anything that comes from me is... is uh is tainted in a way by my sin the sin of my judging her the sin of how i thought about her um and so that does happen you know we we it does happen that we hurt people badly enough that while there is forgiveness hopefully, on the side of heaven. Um, you know, I would consider the resolution of that that we had where she forgave me and then we never spoke. I consider that to be a healthy resolution um, because I had broken her trust badly enough that there's, there's nothing I can do she needs someone else with a clean slate and a fresh start. And, you know, the hard thing about that is, I heard a song one time, you can't make old friends. You know, you can only make new friends. And you know what? It's, it's painfully true. And it's, it's very difficult to go through life and 
you know, fall out of touch with people where you have that high context of, I know your life story and you know my life story. Um, But the grace of God is that just because sometimes we fall out of touch with those people and sometimes neither of us are healthy enough to make, to maintain the friendship or neither of us have enough emotional energy to maintain the friendship. Um, you know, leaving Florida, I really, I had to let go of of a fair number of friendships because I can only do so many long distance relationships to the level of quality, um, that I need. Um, it's, it's very difficult for me to have a surface friendship after I've been, had a deep friendship with someone. And, and it's very difficult to, if there's a friendship where it was based on quality time or acts of service, you know, those are very much in-person love languages. And if a friendship is based on those two love languages and then, you know, one of them changes cities, it's very difficult to maintain that friendship. And yes, it is right and it is healthy and it is normal to mourn that and to mourn the loss of those friendships. At the same time, God is gracious And he gives new friendships. Granted, you may not share your entire life story with that person the first time that you hang out. Maybe not even, you know, the first year or two that you hang out. But as as eventually as you spend time with people and you get to know them. I have two women in my church who... I spend time with fairly regularly and, you know, they don't know my entire life story. They probably don't know, they probably couldn't tell you off the top of their head that I lived two years in Carlisle and two years in Bensburg and nine years in Florida. You know, okay, maybe they don't know my life story like that. That's fine. But, you know, we spend enough time together that we know each other's daily struggles. We know about the little things and... We've built enough trust that we can talk about the bigger things and the heavier things and the, my husband is struggling with with this and we as a couple are struggling with this and me relationally, I'm struggling with this and this is what I'm feeling and this is what I'm going through and um, God is very, very gracious that if you have lost close friends, or even if you never had healthy close friends, which is possible. Um, And if that is your case, I'm very, very sorry that you've had to go through that. But God is gracious where he can give you friends and they can become old friends. And the good, beautiful thing about heaven is that We're going to spend it with Jesus for the rest of time. And he is our oldest friend. 
There's a beautiful, um, there's a beautiful verse at the end of Proverbs 18. Um, Proverbs is a very confusing book because it jumps between topics kind of sporadically. It's like reading a Twitter feed. Really, it is. Um, but I do love, um, I've been sitting in Proverbs 18 for a while for multiple verses and multiple reasons. Um, but I love the, the verse at the end, if I can flip enough pages to get there. A man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And so what does this proverb tell us? You know, for us to have friends, we must first receive love from God so that we can be friendly to others. Now, I have a bit of mixed emotions about this verse because it comes with both a blessing and a challenge. The blessing is that God is our friend and he he will stick with us through thick and thin. And he knows, he knows the the good times of our life and the bad and he knows what is going to be most meaningful us meaningful to us he knows all of our love languages how we best receive them but the challenge of this verse is that for us to have friends we must first be friendly now this is you know this is a, a challenge from normal standards, but if you're anything like me and potentially you've come from a dysfunctional family environment, this is actually very hard. It's hard to be friendly in a way that is selfless and one of my very great struggles in finding friends is is not necessarily in being friendly but is in my struggle is not resenting people when they don't reciprocate in the way that I need and I think oftentimes God allows that because ultimately maybe that's a person I'm not supposed to be connected to um, so I try to, I try to maintain perspective with that and, but the great challenge for me is to not resent people when I've encouraged them or let's say commented a bunch of times through their Instagram stories and I've spent emotional energy on that person, but let's say when the reciprocation never comes um and there are people who have reciprocated but also they had attitudes in their life and so that kept me from receiving love from them um which is kind of complicated and I don't want to really explain that right now but basically it comes down to they're not in a good place and they're kind of selfish 
Um, but sometimes, you know, if, if that initiative on my part was never reciprocated, and in some cases it's never been, it's been rarely reciprocated, but I know the person still cares about me just because of the way that our conversations have been. And sometimes I'll, I'll feel like, does this person even care? Or are they just expecting me to keep on doing this? Or am I annoying them? Or so, um, so that's been really, really hard. And, um, for me, and sometimes I just, I wish that I wasn't even on the internet and I wish that I didn't have expectations for anyone anymore. But at the same time, I also want to love people with Christ's love. And I also, I also really rejoice when God is able to love people through me in a way that is meaningful and specific because God's love for us is specific. And when we are spending time with God and listening to him and receiving his love for us, and then that motivates us to live holy, righteous lives where we pour that love out on other people, that's what I call walking with God. And when we walk with God, he is able to use passive things that we don't even think about to love people meaningfully and specifically. But if we're not walking with God like that, and we are wallowing in self-pity, guilty, or we are thinking selfishly about how this person should love me first, or I want that person to do this for me, or having unrealistic expectations, or my husband should do XYZ for me and then I would feel loved by him. Totally raising my hand over here. But if we walk with that, if we live with that kind of attitude, God is not going to love people through us because our attitude is getting in the way of our ability to receive love from him. And we're idolizing the affection of others around us as opposed to looking to him first to nourish our soul and fill us and restore us. Now let's talk about one of the most challenging situations in which we find opposite love. Now, certainly God will do this inside of families. So, brother, sister, that's, that's, that's a given. He's going to do it. Church families, absolutely. Somebody you're partnering with, ministering with, where you're stuck next to that person, absolutely. A coworker, yes, absolutely. But one of the most difficult ones is when it's a parent and a child. So, I wrote a story a number of years ago called The Carpenter's Daughter. And the crux behind the meaning of that story is very much that the father, the carpenter, loved his daughter, but he couldn't communicate that very well. And he struggled. He struggled to communicate that in a way that was meaningful to her, but he tried. 
he tried. And that counts. So, one of the things that's hard is when you've got a parent who the natural love language that the child needs to receive to feel loved by that parent is opposite of what is natural for that parent to give. It is out of the comfort zone. So I have heard of situations where there is a need for hugs and the parent is uncomfortable hugging or um, acts of service, but the person needed quality time. And so it takes a great deal of maturity for the parent to love their child selflessly, opposite of what feels natural. And this is, this is where I'm going back to the bicycle example of, you know, for the wheel to go left, you have to turn the steering wheel right, but everything in you wants to turn the steering wheel left. The, the bike handles, but you know what I mean. And so our muscle memory, our, our reflexive means of love is just, is opposite. And so it's very unnatural for us to, it's very unnatural for a parent to love a child um, in those cases. Um, and but hopefully, depending on the maturity of the parent, they're able to to grow and be the bigger person to love that child effectively. Now, the challenge for us comes when potentially we are a child who did not receive love in the way that we needed from our parent because it wasn't natural for them to give us what we needed. And so, as, as a very brief example, I need words of affirmation. And I want, I want you to tell me like what I did well and the specifics of it and what you liked about it. And, um, one of my parents recently got on custom vitamins, like I am, same doctor, all that good stuff. And, they have a much better ability to communicate now than ever before. So a lot of my needing words of affirmation wasn't met when I was a kid because their word bucket was was inadequate. So the difficult thing for us when we are the child in this situation is to rise above our natural instincts and to figure out ways to love that parent in the love language that is that they most need to receive and to do that without resentment to do that with cheerfulness to do that with a good attitude that requires the grace of God and I need more of it I need more of God's love in order to love others. Currently, I feel like I have a long ways to go in really loving my family well. And I'm incredibly thankful that God uses this podcast and 
my videos and, you know, tweets on Twitter or whatever to love people. But I also know that God's standard for me for obedience is to love the people around me well. And, excuse me, and I know that God has put those family members in my life to grow me. Because loving a stranger on the internet is a lot easier than loving your family member where you have a history and you can still remember things that they said that hurt you. And maybe there's no good way to bring that sort of thing up. And so you just try to you're just trying to find the balance between boundaries and honor. And so this is why we need Jesus. This is why we need him to reveal more of himself to us, more of his love to us. One of the reasons that God gives money, talents, love languages in different proportions to different people and different combinations, you know, and all of the psychologists are constantly marveling at how unique humanity is and and individuals and souls and how we all think and process and receive love or don't receive love and you know, one of the reasons that God likes to spread this out with such diversity is because it is the inequality between us that challenges our maturity, that challenges us to grow. You know, scripture says, you know, to those who are wealthy, you know, be rich in good works. And, you know, there are those of us, I'm a very talented person. I do a lot of things really, really well. And I feel embarrassed about that sometimes. Um, I felt very ashamed of it for many years because I thought, God, what about all those people who you've not given them as many talents as I have? So he's just like, you don't worry about them. You worry about me. You worry about loving me and loving the people around you. And if the person next to you is jealous, I'll take care of them. And you figure out how to love them or have boundaries with them and love them. Be kind to people you don't trust that's an act of love. So one of the reasons that God gives us inequity in inequity or inequality, I think those are both words, um, is because he's challenging us to grow and he's, he's challenging us to see what we do. One of the greatest challenges that God can give any human being is 
to challenge them to love others when they themselves need more love. And specifically, I'm thinking about those of us who come from dysfunctional family backgrounds where we didn't feel safe, we didn't feel loved, um, and then we go out into the world and we're trying to make friends and we're trying to be friendly and we especially have to depend on God double for both to bring us healthy people to be in relationship with and to love them in a way that is healthy. So both to have the love to be intentional with them but also not be so intentional that we are um we are like mothering or smothering or um trying to solve more problems than we can even take on in our own lives you know taking on people's projects and and it's hard to find that balance it's hard to find the balance between um you know, being intentional and not overdoing it. And then also, if if we're prone to overdo it, just, just to be with people. And to let God show us how to love them. And then also, and I've, I've, I've struggled with as well, I have often taken my when i when i f- feel loved by someone sometimes i will what i what i've struggled with and what i've done is i have taken the vacuum in my heart and i have de- pointed that vacuum towards that person to try and receive more love from them that i was supposed to get as a child you know, we are born with the normal, healthy expectation for safety and boundaries and love and nourishment and care and kindness. And from the time we are born until we hit puberty, we are wired to think that everything that bad that happens to us is a consequence of our actions. That's why you hear of little kids who take responsibility for the divorce of their parents, even though they were only five when it happened. They were, like, listen, you were five. That is not your fault. That is not your responsibility. But God allowed that wiring to be in our brain that way because it was intended for healthy parents to discipline their children when they did something wrong so that they would take responsibility for their actions and be healthy, safe, wise people. And unfortunately, we're in a broken world where that is not the case. 
So the challenge when we come from a dysfunctional family is to both love people and be intentional, but also not try to fix them, but also not point our love vacuum at them. And the only way to combat any of that is to just keep asking God to reveal himself to us and asking him to reveal his love to us. And, you know, we're not going to walk away from every quiet time feeling lovey-dovey. Like, that is, that's the honeymoon phase. That's the new believer's emotional high. And then you go through peaks and valleys of that because if our relationship with God only ever felt good, then he wouldn't be able to say hard things to us. And then we would be in love with the emotions that he give us, gives us and not himself. And, and God is worthy of being loved even when we don't feel anything. And... God is worthy of our respect, even when he's allowed circumstances in our life that we don't understand. And I had a moment the other day where I said, God, you know, who is the potter to, who is the clay to say to the potter, why have you made me like this? Because there's a verse that says, you know, like, you know, I made you. Why are you questioning me about how I made you? And so I tried to be respectful and I said, God, I don't understand how you've made me and I need you to help me. That's a prayer God will honor. And if we need to tell him how angry we are, he can take it. He can absolutely take it. And if we can vent and process and and come around and try and be respectful and say, God, I need you to help me. I want to honor you. I want to glorify your name, but I need you to help me. I need you to help me feel safe, to feel secure, and to feel loved so that I can, (laughs) for myself, and I'm constantly of the mindset of, I need to feel loved so I can love other people. I need to feel loved so that I know that I'm loved, period. There's a very interesting thing um, that happens when we walk with God and we're really trusting him to love us. Even if we're not in a great season, but if we're trusting him and, you know, even if you can't read the Bible, if you're listening to the audio Bible or you're hugging your Bible against your chest, I can't tell you how many times I laid in bed and just hugged my Bible Because I was too tired to read it. I was too emotional to read it. But I wanted to tell God that I loved him. And I know he received that. Because God is omniscient like that. He 
he's able to receive love from broken hearts and he's able to to take the little bit that we have and receive it and honor that and bless it and multiply it and um and then pour his love back out on us so if we are walking with God and trusting him God can and will use the the little things that we do in passing without thinking about them to love people. And I I know that that's how he's used my podcasts and my vlogs and I can't take credit for that. I I try not to because God is the one who pours love out in our hearts and he just happened to use me talking and processing my life as a means to do it but if we're not walking with god and we're not trusting him or we're 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 we have a rebellious attitude about something we're not going to be able to make people feel loved even when we're being intentional about it. I'll give you three examples. So the first example was um, I I know someone with the prophet gifting who wrote me a note one time and the note itself was very thoughtful and the Holy Spirit did speak through it, yes. But I did not understand what was written because I was not feeling loved by that person. And And they were not walking in love towards me, really. So even when they tried to love me, I wasn't able to receive it because something with them was off. Second example. Back in October, we had... There was a woman who came to town with the prophet gifting. And she'd really learned to walk in love and minister to people and heal people and if you're a cessationist I'm sorry I'm a continuist let's not debate this here and back in October my husband was going through some health stuff and I was struggling emotionally with various things and I knew I needed encouragement and I needed a word from God. I needed something specific because, and I didn't even know how to explain where I was because there were so many circumstances that were all over the place. I didn't know the first thing to say to explain myself concisely. And also this is in front of kind of a room full of people. So, um, so I decided to not waste anyone's time by talking I just when it came time for me to stand in front of her and you know we 
we just made eye contact. And the Holy Spirit told her what to say. And it was very, very specific. You know, God told her that to tell me that I need to calm myself, which was true. And I've made a lot of progress in the past however many months. She said that I love to love other people, but I need to let myself receive. And I'm starting to make progress on that. And she said other things too that I wrote down. And she said a lot of things just in passing in the message that she spoke that God reminds me of regularly. And I only interact with her one time. But God has used that to speak into my life over and over and over again. And I thank God for her. Third example. There was a woman who came to my retail store one time and she was buying tank tops that were on sale for her daughter's birthday. And she's calling her daughter and she's asking her, you know, which color do you want? These are all on sale and they're a really good deal. And she was kind of a difficult customer and she was kind of negotiating to try and get a cheaper price and she was really pushy and insistent and busy and and I just knew from the way that she was speaking to her daughter on the phone that even though she was trying to do this thing for her daughter for her daughter's birthday to show love to her she wasn't actually loving her daughter not in a way that could be received and I don't remember exactly what year that was but it's it's easily been five years since that woman since I worked at that store and I still think on that story and I I still I hope that I'm praying for that girl when I think on that story because that's so painful And my prayer for you and my prayer for me as we go through this life is that we would really depend on Christ for for our love. And that we would depend on it first. And then anything we receive from other people around us is... (laughs) <laughs> is is just a continuation of that and it's hard for me to let people love me it's it's hard for me to tell my husband i need you to buy me plants i need you to surprise me i need you to take me on adventures and i need you to initiate that with enthusiasm 
And Ben is usually the first person to listen to these podcasts. So, hey, Ben, if you want to sporadically, like, just buy me a succulent just because you think it looks cute, that'd be great. But also, my window is a little bit full right now, so you probably shouldn't do that. And, but, like, (laughs) it's hard for me to communicate to my husband how I need to be loved because... I've gone so long not feeling loved and I don't want to appear selfish by voicing what I need but I also need to voice what I need you know I need to ask people for hugs Um, Ben is very good about hugging me by the way so um, ironically when we were first married I don't think my hug bucket had ever been full in my entire life. And so he hugged me so much when we were first married that after a while I was like, okay, I I actually don't want hugs right now because I'm a little bit overwhelmed. But I also knew that if I said that, that he wouldn't, that he would stop giving me hugs. And so I was like, no, I can't have that. I can't shut this down. So eventually I've gotten to a place where my love bucket and his hug initiation has have balanced out very nicely and I actually have to remember to initiate hugging him um so I'm 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 very thankful for that but we have to communicate how we need to be loved and that's not a bad thing and also if we're if we're doing the hard thing first where we try and pay attention to what the other person needs, then we can be in a better place. We can be in a relationship with them where they feel loved by us, even though we struggled to do that, even though we don't feel loved by them. And then we can be in a in a place in that relationship where we can voice, this is how I need you to love me. And learning to ask that is healthy. And it's not selfish. And um, if that epiphany is for you listening to that, I want you to know that God loves you. And he knows how you need to be loved. And... And I would also challenge you, because I know for myself, a month or so ago, I wrote down in my journal, I want to live feeling nourished. And I quickly followed that up with a sentence of, I don't know what that means, and I don't know what that looks like. And if you don't know how you need to be loved, that's okay too. God will show you. God has shown me in the course of the past month he's shown me more how I need to be loved and I'm incredibly grateful for that that's part of self-awareness that's part of being a healthy person is knowing what you need and 
being able to ask for it and feeling safe enough to ask for it. Don't don't feel ashamed of it. There's there's nothing to be ashamed of. This is this is the new normal. This is the new healthy. Becoming a healthy person feels weird at first. This is why I always I always say that unless you are in a healthy place in life, you probably shouldn't be dating anyone or getting married because because you're going to attract someone who feels normal to you and your normal is the dysfunction that you grew up with. Now, as long as the two of you love Jesus and are committed to conflict resolution that's biblical, God can bring two people in a relationship, in a marriage, husband and wife, through anything. He can, and he can absolutely restore marriages. And a lot of times, if a marriage is really dry, it does take one person asking the other person, what can I do to love you that I've not been doing? And do that with humility and do that even with weariness and emptiness and brokenness because you have to depend on Christ to start that positive spiral that moves upwards. And you have to depend on Christ to maintain that because the enemy would absolutely love to come in and cause confusion and tear apart and pull down. Or the enemy also loves for people to get in a place of laziness and comfort where I know if I do this, the other person will feel loved and I just have to show up and clock in. It's like, okay, but where's the sacrifice? Where's the going the extra mile? Where's the thoughtfulness? And if you're lazy in your relationships that are closest to you, then you're going to be lazy in loving the stranger and that new person. You know, we have to depend on Christ to feel loved, to have enough confidence, to walk up to the kid by themselves at the cafeteria table, not that I was ever in public school, but theoretically, um, to walk up to the loner and care about them. And it takes, it takes emotional security in Christ to be able to do that on a consistent basis. You know, and, and people in the world think that that's just common courtesy. It's like, well, actually, the golden rule came from the lips of Jesus. Love others as you'd want to be loved. And even if that means that their love language is opposite of you, love others the way you would want to be loved if that was your love language. The challenge is real. But the joy is in the journey 
And Christ is big enough to help us walk through all of it. My name is Meg. I love my Jesus. And I believe in living inside out. Now it is your turn. Go and live it. Hello, friends. Thanks for tuning in. This is going to be a bit of a life update. Not sure where I'm going to ramble. So, forewarned. I'm a little tired. Um, It has been a very interesting summer. Um, And I'm going to preface this by saying I asked my uh, nursery volunteer coordinator if she would schedule me only to January through March. And I'm very, very glad that I asked her to do that because I have, it feels like I've been on the go since March. So um, in March, I visited my cousin and got to see her graduate for her um, graduate graduate school. So that was wonderful. Um, and then it was either April or May. I think it was, maybe it was May. I don't remember. That's how long ago it was. Um, So then in April or May, I visited my mom and we were on a trip together and that was really intense um, work, but a lot of fun. Um, And then I've been home for all of June and um, the end of June, I found out that my grandma had taken a bit of a fall. Now the family that is uh, living near her had a lot going on all the time, and I knew that um, they needed backup. So I pretty much dropped everything and drove out to help them and stayed with my grandmother for three weeks. So that was, um, in some ways, that was restful, and in other ways, it was emotionally draining. Um, is the longest Ben and I have been apart since we got married, three weeks. Um, and I feel like we're still feeling it. Like, anyway, so I got back late July. I was here for two weeks. It took me, it took me, you know, a few days to feel like myself again. And then I had a week that was kind of normal and I hung out with my friends here. And then I had a, like a couple days and I packed up and I, um, went to visit my parents in upstate New York and I was there for a week and I just got back a couple days ago. So all in all, I've spent about six weeks away from Ben, away from home um, within the past few months. And um, there's kind of a very weird feeling of, okay, I need to go back to normal now and settle in and settle in back at home. Um, but there's all this, also this very weird feeling of, you know, I need to redefine my own normal, um, and set higher standards, standards for myself. And so, um, both as a housewife and as a creative. So as a housewife, I need to get better at cooking. I need to get better at meal planning. So that's something I'm trying to work on. And today's contribution was doing dishes and um i really need to organize the fridge that is what i shall do this afternoon after this podcast yes 
Um, but I've also, we've got um, a Trello board. Trello is an organization app. Basically, you create boards, and then on the boards you have lists, and on the lists you have cards, and then you can open the cards and you can have smaller notes or checklists or items underneath that. So Trello is basically an organization app, and um, it's really good for team collaboration, and you use it however you want. We love it. It lives on my shortcut bar on my phone. Uh, the shortcut bar on my phone is essentially uh, Trello. Um, there's a digital art app called Paper, then the Google Keep app, and then my text messaging app. So that is, uh, that is how important Trello is to me. So um, I've restructured Trello a little bit to keep track of, you know, what do we have in the freezer, what do we have in the fridge, because I tend to forget what I have in the freezer and Ben doesn't like to look. So between the two of us, we need a, a record outside of the actual cold black box. Um, so I'm going to work on that this afternoon and that's my contribution to, okay, let's, let's make a new system so I can be a better housewife. Um, my least favorite part of traveling is unpacking at the end. I love packing. I love having all my clothes neatly folded together and organized. But the problem with coming back from a trip home is that I have, I have uh, childhood photos that I need to scan. I've got memorabilia that doesn't have a home to live and we're in an 865 square foot apartment so I really don't have that much storage space. So I'm a bit uh, intimidated about where, to, to where those things can live. Um, so that's another one of my, okay, if I'm going to love Ben by keeping house, I'm going to unpack my suitcases so they're not cluttering up the entryway. Um, so that's my homemaking goal for myself this afternoon. And then um, my personal goal for myself, um, more functionally and creatively, is... Um, well, I'm starting to go to ballet again on Monday nights, so that's good. And then um, I did an hour of yoga this morning, and I did 40 minutes of the same video yesterday morning. And I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep repeating this particular, um, this particular uh, video until I feel more comfortable with it, and then I'll switch it up, and I'll do another video for, you know, a few days or whatever. And I. I kind of like to do that for a couple reasons because I get comfortable with the flow of the, of the practice and I spend less time worrying about what's coming next and I spend more time able to focus on um, you know, getting the most out of the stretching, getting the most out of the posture and really fine tuning my form in that you know, position, whatever it is. And this is like what... A, it's a warrior two and peaceful warriors what this one works on. So, um, and then there's a lot of downward dog and plank position. So I'm really, I'm working my arms, which is really important. And I'm working my core and my legs and I'm trying to strengthen my legs and my knees so I can get back to ballet and Monday ballet class won't be so traumatizing and I can point my, point my foot and straighten my knee properly. And I won't be at risk of, hobbling out of the studio afterwards. Um, oh my. 
The other thing I'm working on is getting back into my watercolor. So I have some pretty ambitious goals for myself the next few months, and I know if I'm going to conquer those, I just need to start showing up in front of the paper with my brush and starting putting paint on the paper regularly. And if I do that consistently, um, then I will accomplish, you know, the, the projects and I will, um, I'll be, I'll be proud of myself at the end of it. And, um, one of the things that, one of the things that God kind of, I don't know how to introduce this. I don't know how to make this segue. So we're just, I'm just going to tell the story. So right before I went and visited my childhood home, I was, I was still at my Alabama home and I went on a bike ride and, um, sometimes God will take me places physically and then he'll, he'll give me a spiritual, um, instruction. And so I, I'd gotten off my bike and I was adventuring a little bit and I was trying to go down some stairs and the stairs were steep and angled um, because of the way that the ground underneath had um, dislodged. It was a bit precarious, but it was still safe. Don't worry. Um, anyways, so I realized that the safest way for me to go down these stairs was me for, for me to turn my body face backwards and go backwards on my kind of my feet and my hands. Um, and it was at that moment that the Holy Spirit just kind of impressed upon me. Sometimes you have to look backwards to go forwards. And while I was in, um, in New York at my childhood home, it really gave me an opportunity to look backwards. I mean, I went through my childhood drawings that I, I hadn't seen since, <laughs> since I, since when I drew them. So, um, all the way back to when I was five years old and I'm 32 now. So, um, my goodness, I've been doing this podcast for a while. This is crazy. Um, but I'm 32 now and you know, going back to when I was five, it's like, what, 27 years? Oh my gosh. Anyways, so, um, one of the things you may not know about me is that I grew up as Megan. And I got to my young adult season of life and I really started to feel like, I want to go by Meg. I want to go by Meg. And so when I when I got on the internet, I went by Meg. I always went by Meg on the internet. But in real life, I still had trouble and I introduced myself as Megan. Well, I have five-year-old drawings and this is in, and I signed my name, Meg. And one of the fun things about growing up is that your handwriting changes. So right now my handwriting is very fluid and it's almost sloppy. Um, if I'm really tired, you know, the, the get it down on paper has gotten me to the point where I just don't care what it looks like sometimes. Um, 
but when I focus, I can make a very pretty cursive. Um, and in my teen years, my cursive was pretty, but it was very, very structured. And before that, um, you know, I learned to write my letters, you know, smooth enough. And then before that, I had this block print and it was very wobbly. And so to see, to see my name written as Meg in wobbly block print was just one of the most validating things I, I have ever seen because I had no idea that, that going by Meg was something I wanted when I was five. You know, and there is, there's definitely truth to the concept that, you know, who you are as a child is, is really the truest form of your personality. And, um, so that was very affirming and very rewarding. Um, you know, getting to see some of the projects I did when I was eight, nine, ten, you know, and looking back, I did, I did this, I did a, I did a little newsletter when I was eight or nine, and I called it the Mega Times. Um, and I, I had all these different sections to it, and I wrote out these little stories, and I would illustrate them, and then I would make copies, and I would send them to people back in the day when you didn't have email and you had to use postage stamps. I know, it's a, it's a thing. It's very weird, but it, that's, that's how we did it back in the 90s. <laughs> um, early 90s anyways, before email was prevalent. I got my first email address in like 2004. Anyways. Um, and so, to look back at those little newsletters that I did at, you know, age eight. And I actually had a, a learning fair poster board project and I unfolded that and I looked at it and I just burst into tears because, um, and I, I told my parents when they both came up, I said, I am who I'm meant to be. I am still writing stories and drawing pictures to illustrate. And younger me would be so proud of who I am now. And I remember being, I'm tearing up, I remember being uh, young. And just hoping, you know, I hope when I'm in my 20s that I'm a certain kind of person. And I didn't, I didn't have words to articulate the kind of person I wanted to be. Um, but I knew that God had given me many talents. And I knew that I wanted to be responsible with them. I knew that I wanted to be um, skillful. Um, I knew that he had called me to ballet, and if you've heard my testimony, it's the first podcast um, that I that I have up. You know, why does God heal slowly? That's my testimony. You know, I knew that that I was called to ballet, and that was going to prepare me to to do other things as well. Um, and now I'm 32, and I'm actually doing them. And so I, I'm two days back at home from this very powerful visit 
and reflection. Um, and I am realizing how much I want to make my younger self proud of me. Um, because in a sense, she knew more than anyone else what I was capable of. I mean, I drew a portrait of my brother that looks like him. And someone who never met my brother was able to look at a photograph and look at that portrait. And now, granted, the, the picture, the photograph was straight on and the portrait was profile. And this friend of mine who had never met my brother looked at that picture and that portrait and she said, that's that brother. And yes, it was. So I know, I knew then the skill that I had at drawing. Um, and I'm going to share the vlog that I made while I was there. And I knew then the skill that I had, you know, cutting up cardboard and designing a little chair for my doll, Betsy. And um, when that vlog comes out, you can see the actual chair. And I was just so proud of that design. And that's one of the things I, I brought home with me. And I, I don't know where to store it. Um, but that's also one of the things I'm most proud of that I, I remember designing, that I was just very proud of. Um, so, there is just this, there is just this deep um, motivation to create with both quality and quantity in a way where my younger self would be proud of me. And so, um, it's very motivating. It's a little bit intimidating um, because there are still things on my do list that just intimidate and overwhelm me. I mean, I have to figure out the, the shipping for my art shop at storeenvy.com. Now my husband's going to help me with it, but I, I have to get all the products set up and that sort of thing. Excuse me. Um, I've got technical details that are, you know, there's just everybody has life. We all have those life things of like, this isn't fun. This isn't interesting, but it needs to be done. And I will thank myself later if I do this now. So um, I'm looking at those tasks on my do list and I'm kind of gritting my teeth and clenching my fist and trying to get myself um, mentally prepared to take them on. Um, so I think what this means is that I need to uh, clean out the fridge. <laughs> That's what this means. Um, so anyways, thank you so much for listening to this life update. I hope that was interesting. Um, but yeah, looking backwards to go forwards is kind of the the new summary statement for where I'm at. And I don't know what this next season holds, but um, I just want to love God and I want to love people and I want wisdom to do that well. So please, please be praying for me in that if you could. My name is Meg. I love my Jesus and I believe in living inside out. Now it's your turn. Go live it.